Alrighty. Well, good morning. Welcome again to True North Church. You can grab a seat if you haven't already. It's, uh, it's been a good day so far. I don't mind having a good Sunday morning. It's still kind of early, right? It's like quarter past nine on a weekend. Anyone still feel like you're waking up or we're feeling, we're feeling fresh? We're feeling ready to go. A few people are like, yeah, honestly, I'm still waking up. That's okay. We're going to have a, a great time together here this morning. As, uh, as John mentioned, my name's Phil. I'm one of the pastors here at True North. And uh, it's my privilege today to continue, uh, to continue a series we started last week called I Choose. Uh, anyone, was anyone here last Sunday as we started this series? It was, uh, it was a cool series. And, and the idea, I think, so important. It's based on this idea that a a huge portion of who we are, a huge portion of our lives uh, are the product of the choices that we make, the decisions that we make. Sure, sometimes things happen outside of a control, but but by and large, we are a product of our choices. Uh, So this series is all about making the the right choices, making choices that really, really matter. Last week, we looked at choosing purpose. Can anyone remember? Purpose over purpose popularity. Come on, someone was listening. Purpose over popularity last week. I, I tell you what, next Sunday, we're, we're going to have an awesome service together. We've got Pastor Lauren speaking next Sunday. Also, great to have Pastor Lauren back with us. She's been on holidays. Can, can we welcome her back? I, I was so happy when I saw Lauren doing her thing in the cafe, and she's going to be speaking next week on, on discipline versus regret. And I'm looking forward to that message because there's one thing in life that's true. You will either choose to experience the pain of discipline or I guarantee you, you will at some point experience the pain of regret. And next week, we're, we're going to be looking at that with Pastor Lauren, which is going to be a great message and encourage you to be here for that. Uh, also, we've got John speaking at our PM service tonight. That's going to be a lot of fun. Looking forward to that as well. I'll be... Uh, Less, uh, I don't know how to describe your introduction of me this morning. It was kind of warm, a little bit cheeky. But anyway, John's going to be preaching tonight. It's going to be a good message. Uh, but today, here's the, here's the thing that we're going to be choosing today. And, and this is a big one. is to choose surrender over control. To choose surrender over control. Now, now as, as we start this, I've I got to ask the question, are there, and I'm not going to call you control freaks. I, I'm not going to use that expression this morning. But, but are there any control enthusiasts here, here this morning? There, there's some control enthusiasts. Now, now, if I'd said control freaks, you wouldn't have put your hand up, would you? But with the, oh, you would have. Good, because you're controlling the situation. Yep, that's me. I'm going to put that hand up. But, but some of us, we're, we're self-aware enough to know that, you know what, I'm kind of given to the tendencies uh, of, you know, trying to control a situation, maybe sometimes trying to control other people, and sometimes that can get you into a bad space. But, but whether you're, you're self-aware enough to know that, that in a broad stroke, I, I can sometimes be a controlling person. For each and every one of us, there'll be certain spaces Certain contexts, certain scenarios where that, that control mindset just starts to flare up. And for lots of us, there's going to be different things that trigger that. There'll be different things that cause us to want to try and take hold of a situation and control it. Maybe it's in the workplace. Maybe you're a part of a team working on a project. Maybe you're the team leader. Maybe you're in charge. And one portion of that team isn't doing what they need to do exactly the way you like it to be done. So what do you do? You say, don't worry about it. I'll do that. I'll do that. I'll take that back. I'll do that because it needs to be done how I see it being done. 
Oh, and I tell you what, there is a myriad of ways that control expresses itself in the household, right? Come on, you can, you can start to think of them. There'll be spaces in your home that you really like things to be done a particular way. And if they're not done that way, it causes you a small degree of emotional pain. Is anyone in that space? Anyone in that space? You know, there, there's probably not too many spaces for me, but one of those spaces is the way that the toilet roll gets replaced. Right? Right? There is a correct way to do that. And if it's not done the correct way, it's not good enough. If you get into a toilet and the paper is facing against the wall, you know what I'm talking about? So you've got to pull it out as if your hand is like a crab and you're like trying to get at the wall. The paper needs to be facing the driver. Any other scenario is not okay. Sometimes you'll see the toilet roll just placed on top of the old cardboard roll. That is not okay. Sometimes you'll see that toilet paper roll just placed underneath on the floor. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. That is not okay. And here's something to be aware of. If you want to know whether you're experiencing this desire to control something, here's something that you need to become self-aware of, is how much pain does it cause me when it's done differently? And if the answer is a lot, or maybe just more than it possibly should, then maybe that's a space where you're trying to control a little bit more than you should. Now, there's a number of spaces where, where this can come out in our lives. But here's why I believe it's such an important thing to become self-aware of. Because it can become a reflection of a much more significant and much broader spiritual reality in your life. Because here's what we're doing. When we're trying to control a situation, whatever it might be, what we're actually doing is trying to take the place of God in that scenario. So something in our life, we're trying to control it. We're going to say, this needs to be done my way. I am the highest authority on these series of choices. Really what I'm saying is, I want to take the place of God in this part of my life. And sure, we can, we can have fun talking about some of the little spaces that we do that. But then there's some bigger, far more significant spaces in our life where if we're not prepared to let go of control, we miss out on so much of what God has for us. You know, I think one of the, the key words that we need to think about when we talk about this idea of, of surrendering control, and really, really what we're talking about here is the most fundamental, foundational question of faith, and it's this, how much of my life am I prepared to surrender to God, right? This is what it all comes down to. How much of who I am am I prepared to lay down for God, how much of my life is prepared to become obedient to who God is calling me to be? You know, I think one of the key words that we need to, to bring into this conversation is trust. Is trust. You know, a couple of years ago, my wife, Tash, and I, we, we went over to Sydney to get along to the Hillsong Conference, and, uh, and we got to do something really fun afterwards. We spent time with a, with a great family, the Garths, some of you would know them there. The kids grew up here at the church, and, uh, and we spent time with them for a week. And uh, their youngest, uh, a kid named Adam, I first knew him as like a six-year-old in our children's ministry, and I was the, the kids' pastor out there. And so, so my picture of him is this little kid, this little, cool little kid 
kid. And then we went over to, to Sydney, and now, now he's grown up. He was like 17, and he was massive. You know when tiny kids, they just get massive? It was so funny. He literally, he picked me up, because he's heaps bigger than me now, heaps heavier, and he's, he picked me up. He's like, Phil, look how big I am. I was like, yeah, you are really big. Let me go. <laughs> and, and anyway, he was at that season of life where he was on his L plates. You know where I'm going with this. He was on his L plates and, and we didn't have a car. So we kind of came to this arrangement that, that he'd drive us around Sydney and he'd kind of get his hours up because, you know, you have to get hours with, with someone supervising. And so here's the scenario. I'm in the front seat of this car with, with Adam, who I remember as a, a six-year-old in children's ministry with an Optimus Prime mask on his head, quoting memory verses, which he did every week. Mm. But anyway, I, I was feeling a little bit of, of hesitation supervising in my role kind of within the car and to make things worse I've grown up in Perth my whole life besides a brief kind of few introductory years in the UK and in a lot of ways it's a pretty chilled out city compared to a lot of other places and then we're now in inner city Sydney and already I'm stressed out there's there's cars everywhere there's people everywhere there's roads everywhere I don't know where I am what's going on and at the same time I'm trying to make sure that we don't have a car crash with this with this young guy and his on his L plates and at the out of it, I was I was a little bit I was a little bit freaked out, and I was a little bit controlling. I was like, just just go another 10k slower. He's like, Phil, I'm already going 10k. He's like, yeah, yeah, just go 10k slower. I just break, just start breaking up, break, break, break. And you try to control the situation because you're afraid of what some of the realities might be. But then over a little bit of time, I realized, hey, this kid's good. This kid knows what he's doing. He somehow knows exactly where to go all the, through the streets of Sydney. He's a good driver. And all of a sudden, as I began to trust his ability to drive that car, the control dialed down. I wasn't as tempted to grab the wheel. I wasn't mimicking the action of braking on the passenger side. The control had dialed back, and sure, I was still aware, still, I was still supportive and encouraging. But because now trust had entered into the scenario, my desire to try and control more than I needed to was gone. So we're going to talk about the role of trust in surrendering control to God. And I want to take you to a, to a, a scripture in Proverbs. Most of you probably heard this scripture before. Some of you would have seen it inscribed on your grandma's plate or something like that. And it says this. It's one of those kind of verses. You just kind of imagine it on a decorative plate. Um, and maybe that's just me. You can let me know in a few moments. Uh, Proverbs 3, verses 5 to 6. And what does it say? Trust. Can someone say trust? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. Now, I think what the writer of this verse is getting at here is that we need to trust who God is and not what we're able to control. Not the things that we know, not the things that we can do in our own ability, not our capacity to navigate through life. We don't lean on who we are and what we're capable of. We don't lean on our own understanding, but rather we trust in the Lord with all your heart. In all your ways, verse 6, submit to him and he will make your path straight. You know that word submit, the, the word that it comes from in the Hebrew is the same word to, to say to know, to acknowledge. And it's really what it's saying is to know and acknowledge God in all of your ways. 
That was a sneaky burp, as I said all then, if anyone was wondering. No one picked that up, great, it was just me, should have left it. Uh, In all your ways, submit to him. In all your ways, know him. In all your ways, acknowledge him. You know, it's the same root word in in the the earliest narrative in Scripture of Adam and Eve when it talks about Adam knowing Eve, Adam having an intimate relationship with Eve. It's this idea of God intimately being a part of my life, that in everything I do, I have an intimate understanding that God is with me, that I know God in everything I put my hand to. And when I live my life in that way, trusting who He is, acknowledging Him in every situation— He will make my path straight. It's actually a promise that says, if I'm able to surrender control of my life to God, if I'm able to trust Him, if I'm able to know Him in everything that I do, I'm actually going to be better off. The path of my life is going to be in a better place if I can can place my trust in God. But if we can't do that, sometimes life can get a little bit crooked. Sometimes the path can go in a strange direction. And if we hold on to control in spaces in our life where we need to give it over, control can go really bad. Control can turn bad. Some of you would have experienced this in different contexts in your own life. But I want to take you to a story in the Old Testament, which is this exactly, just control gone wrong. And I want to take you to to Sarah and Abraham. They were, they were characters in the Old Testament that if you don't know their story, they, they were promised by God that they would become a great nation. They would become Israel, that through, through Israel would come Christ and the whole world would be blessed through them. It's a huge promise, the most significant promise uh, really for anyone in Scripture that, that through you Christ will come, that you'll be a part of that. But the problem was for, for then after receiving that promise for a very long time, they, they weren't able to have kids. And, and they grew more and more impatient until we get to this point in the story where, where Sarah at this point was still, still known as Sarai. She takes control into her own hands. And this is what happens in the scripture. Genesis 16 verses 1 to 4. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. But she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, and look at this language, the Lord has kept me from having children. She puts the blame onto God. She says, this is the Lord's fault. He's kept me from having children. And what does that that indicate? There's a breakdown in trust. I don't trust God anymore. I don't trust God anymore. So what does she do? She doesn't trust God, so she takes control back away from God and into her own hands. And here's what she comes up with. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar, and she conceived. So when we first read this story, we can say, okay, there's a breakdown in trust. Sarai stops trusting God. She takes control back into her own hands. And at first glance, it seems like she was kind of successful in what she set out to do. If God's not going to do this thing that he promised in my timing, I'm going to take control and I'm going to manufacture something that's the next best thing. And that's what Sarai sets out to do. And she's successful in that. And Hagar gives birth to a child named Ishmael. 
Now, what we don't hear in this part of the text is that as soon as Hagar conceives and becomes pregnant, Sarai starts to resent it. She starts to hate it. She starts to, to, to regret that decision. She realizes that, that taking control away from God was a bad move and it's had a bad impact on her life, on Abram's life, and of course on Hagar's life. That because she took control away from God, it's created this scenario in their family that is not good at all. And then interestingly, if you, if you look at this moment in history and you track the implications of this moment of Abraham and Sarah taking control away from God, in this moment, it brought conflict for generations. That through Hagar and Ishmael, we have the Palestinians, we have Muhammad. And then through Isaac, the child that was promised, we have Israel, we have the Jewish people, we have Jesus and there's conflict and brokenness that we see throughout history, all of God's story in the Old Testament. Then this one moment where they take control back from God and say, you know what? God's taking too long. God's not able to do this. We're going to do it ourselves with the belief that it can be as good. But the reality is what we can manufacture in our strength is always a shadow of what God can deliver through his strength. Anything that we can attempt to do taking control back from God is always going to be less than that straight straight path that God promises when we place our trust in Him. Control gone bad. So where are some of the places for us today where this might hit us, where this might impact us, where that desire to control can actually bring a negative impact to who we are, to the people that we live our lives with, and can change key decisions. You know, something I, I remember and f- reflect on when I was a, a younger single person, and you, you think about that, that, that idea of being single, and you think, you know, one day I don't want to be single anymore. And, and has anyone ever made like a, a list of this is like the perfect person to be? Any young people here, this might resonate with you. You're like, my, my wife needs to be this, 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 or my husband needs to be this, this, or this. They need to, they need to love Jesus. They need to have a, a cute butt. They need to work hard. That, that was actually terrible. Tegan's list for John. I did their pre-marriage counselling and that came up a few times. And, um, and, and you have this, this list and probably for most people, if you're passionate about your faith, that, that, that one of, you know, I want them to be passionate about it. I want them to encourage me in my faith. I want them to be the person that God's prepared for me or someone that, that, that God says, you know, that's, that could be a great thing for your future. But then the challenge comes in if you have to wait a little while. And then all of a sudden, I remember this tension myself personally. I remember many times talking with young people or, or single people that, that the pain of waiting for the right person is too hard. So I'm just going to manufacture the next best thing. That's one space. Maybe you're in a relationship. Maybe you're married. Maybe there's things about your spouse that you don't like. And so you try to control. You try to manipulate You try to change their behavior. You try to take hold of who they are and say, no, you need to be more like this. You need to change to be like this. And in some conversations, that kind of compromise is not a bad thing. But when it becomes a manipulation, control gone bad, it places a wedge between you and your husband, you and your wife, you and your partner. 
Maybe for you it's with your kids. Have you ever heard the expression of helicopter parent? Just kind of hover above your kids. And I won't ask for hands going up on this one. That that maybe with the lives of your kids, there's too high a degree of control. Maybe with, the, with what your kids are doing, with the sports they're doing, with the interests that they have. Maybe you look at your kids and just think, yeah, you need to be exactly like me, but better in every way. I'm going to li- help, help you live that life. Maybe they're going out to check the mail and you're like, okay, cool, no worries, put your helmet on. There's too high a degree of control. They come home with an assignment. You say, okay, I'm going to sit down and do this with you. I mean for you because you need to get an A because you need to be successful. And if you're not successful, I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe you're a grandparent and you try to control the way the kids parent your grandkids. Maybe you're a a parent yourself and you've got grandparents and you're trying to control the way they're grandparents. And you can see how much conflict comes into families, how much tension comes into families when we try to control things that we shouldn't be controlling. So here's what I want you to do, is to take a moment, and you don't have to do this out loud, please don't do it out loud. If you want to write it down, maybe you can do that. I want you to internally name an area in your life that as you reflect on some of the the things that I've been talking about, some of the ideas... Maybe it's in finances, maybe it's in work, whatever it could be. What's an area of your life that you're trying to control? Have a think. What's a space in my life maybe I'm trying to control? Maybe you think of some little examples first to get the brain working. Could be something to do with the washing, how you peg things out. Nothing wrong with that. But then it could be deeper things. What are some things that I'm trying to control that maybe I shouldn't? I want to give you three quick questions that can operate as a bit of a filter for us this morning about whether it's something that we should be trying to control or whether it's something we need to let go of. The first question is this. Is it worth my concern? Is the thing that you're freaking out over and freaking out everyone else over Is it really worth it? Is it worth your concern? Is this something that I really need to be focused on in this way? Does it really matter what the exact outcome of is of this little thing that I'm trying to control so passionately? You know, at my house, we've got two bins. One's your standard green bin, does its job, general rubbish, and then we've got the recycling bin. Everyone got two bins at home? got two bins right some of them got a yellow bin so you know which one's recycling I, I've actually got this kind of novelty recycling bin and you would be interested to know if anyone else has this and it's split into two halves and there's a blue half and a yellow half the blues uh, the blue sides for like plastic glass the other sides for like newspaper anyone got a, a split recycling bin like that Oh, someone does. Good. I, I thought it was really weird. I'd never seen one before. But, but anyway, I, I got kind of captured with this idea. We, we like recycling at home. And, and so, so we were, you know, going about this. Yeah, yeah, so the, the plastics, the glass, they've got to go on this side. The cardboard, the newspaper, that's got to go on this side. And, and sometimes it accidentally drops something in the wrong half. And I'd be like, oh, no, I've got to fish it out of there. And so, you know, those bins, they're pretty deep, right? If you need to fish something out, you're like, I'm talking armpits. There's always spiders around the rim as well. It's something you really don't want to do. But because it's in the wrong side, I've got to reach down there, pick it up and put it in the right side. 
Again, perhaps some element of control with me with that one. Or if I see something that someone else has put in the wrong side, oh my goodness, that's got to go on the right side. And there's an emotional reaction when I see that, again, like what I was talking about before. And so this went on and on and on. And then something that my, my son likes doing is going out and seeing the garbage truck. Anyone kids like doing that? Remember your kids? They, they love, I don't know why, they love running out. And, and I started to watch the garbage truck do its thing. And one recycling morning, my life was shattered. <laughs> it was shattered. I've never had a more significant downward spiral of like just questioning everything. But the first truck came along and emptied the general waste bin, and then the recycling truck came along. Only one recycling truck. And the entirety of the contents of my specifically separated bin all went into the same recycling truck. <laughs> what? I was, does this happen every week? And then I kind of thought about the way the bin's designed. I was like, yep, it's going to fall like that every week. And I realized that no matter how much attention and passion I put into separating those two components of recycled gear, it was all going in the same pile. At the end of the day, I realized it didn't even matter. I didn't need to be concerned about it. It didn't bother me. Well, you know, I still kind of make sure they go on the same sides, even though I know it has no... Like, and sometimes I'll, like, try to, try to give myself a lesson. Okay, I'm going to deliberately put the glass in the cardboard side, and it's hard every time, even though I know it has zero impact. It, you, you, I hear laughter. There's people here like me, right? You're like, why do I have... I need to get rid of that bin, just get, like, a big... Anyway... There are some things that we obsess over, that we put so much emotional energy into, that we try to control, that at the end of the day, is it really even worth it? Because here's the thing, remember when we try to control, when it doesn't go away, we have an emotional reaction. When we have an emotional reaction, who suffers? Uh, us, we do, we do, our family does, your, your kids do, your, your husband does, your wife does, your friends does, your workmates do. Everyone suffers when we try to control something that we shouldn't even really be that worried about. You know, if I, I think about this in my own life, I think sometimes the, the simple word of God just has to be, chill out. Honestly, I feel like the Holy Spirit has spoken that into my life more than once. Just feel, chill out. Some of these things you can just let go of. Some of these things in a week from now, a year from now, they're not going to matter. Learn what you can let go of. The next question as we think about this, is it mine to control anyway? If we said, okay, this is something that I think I, 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 it is my concern, but, but is it really mine to control? Now, sometimes the answer is definitely yes. The answer is sometimes yes, because surrendering control is not the same as relinquishing responsibility, right? It's not like we live our life of faith and say, God, everything is in your arena. I'm just going to float by and you just do your thing. No. There are some things that God gives us the privilege of stewarding. 
There are some things that God invites us to say, hey, this is something that I'm blessing your life with. Now you have a responsibility to steward it. So there are some things in our life that we've got to say, you know what? This is my responsibility. This is something that I actually have to step into and take control of. Sometimes that's something that we absolutely have to do. That if maybe my finances are in trouble, maybe I've got credit card debt, and the simple reality is that I'm there because I'm spending more than I'm earning. Sure, God's going to stand with me in that. God's going to give me hope in that. God's going to give me the strength to start making some better decisions. But at the end of the day, it's my responsibility to set out a budget, to stop spending so much, and to pay off that debt. Sure, God's going to have my back in that, but I'm the one that needs to take control of that situation. Maybe it's in your relationship. Maybe you're, you're in a difficult space in your marriage. And you're saying, God, would you just fix my husband? My wife, she prays that so often. No, she doesn't. Would you just help my, would you help my marriage? God, would you just do a miracle and restore the brokenness in our marriage? You know what? That's an arena that's our responsibility. Again, God's going to bless us with who he is, his hope, his love, his grace, his unfailing love. But at a certain point, We've got to remember that once upon a time, we stood in front of a group of people and we made promises before God to our wife and to our husband. And you know what? We have to honor those. That it's my responsibility because I made those promises to Tash. So it's my responsibility, inspired by the love of Jesus, to choose sacrificial love towards my wife day in and day out. There are certain arenas in our life where we ask the question, is this mine to control? And the answer is absolutely yes. But then there are spaces where as we go through these filter of questions that we get to a point you say, you know what? This really isn't mine mine to control. This is out of my control. And here's where we can experience the most pain. When we're in a situation where we are completely out of control and we desperately try to control, this is where we can have the most significant brokenness in our life. When we try to control something that we simply cannot control. And then it comes to this question. Is it for God alone? Is it for God alone? You know, I want to give you some scripture from Philippians 4 and verse 6. But just before we go there, uh, I want to set, set the, the tone or set the space a little bit in which Paul is sitting and writing this letter. He's in house arrest. He's chained to a Roman soldier. He's in chains because of the gospel and how it's taken a hold of his life. And in his chains, he writes this in verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything. Here's a man in house arrest. Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. In every situation, acknowledge God. Know God through prayer and petition. Now, can I encourage us with something here this morning? I say, may we never insult God by praying a prayer something like this. Well, God, I've tried everything else. 
So now I'm going to turn to you. God, I've tried everything to do, everything I can control, everything I can do in my strength. Nothing's working. So what's the harm in letting God have a crack at this thing? Maybe you've had a thought process like that. I've tried everything else. So now what's the harm in letting God just having a go at this thing? You know, prayer should never be the last resort when we recognize that a situation is out of our control. But prayer should be our first line of offense. It should be the thing we turn to first. And here's what Paul's speaking out of Philippians in every situation. He finds himself in a situation which he cannot control. He's in chains. And he says, in every situation, bring your requests before God with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving and joy. Acknowledge God in everything that we do. Bring our prayers to God when we just get to that point and say, God, this is for you alone. I'm not going to try and go crazy trying to fix this and control this myself, but I've just got to say, God, this is one that I just need you in first and foremost. In verse 7, Paul continues, and here's the promise that if we're able to do that, is that the peace of God which transcends all understanding. You know, it's that link back to Proverbs, lean not on your own understanding, because the peace of God transcends that understanding, and it will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You know, I love, I love this verse as we, we kind of finish this idea and this conversation, because I feel like, honestly, when, when I try to control things that I shouldn't, my, my mind goes crazy, <laughs> I get stressed. My heart, it, it, gets, it gets stressed. I carry things that I shouldn't. I get to a negative place emotionally. But when I'm able to give things to God, and say, God, this is, this is way out of my control. I don't know the outcomes. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know the whys. But God, I know that I need to trust in you. When we're able to do that, we're promised with a peace that guards the heart and guards the mind. Peace which transcends understanding. The core of faith, and I'll take you back to this question, to say how much of my life am I prepared to surrender to who God is? You know, invite the team to come back and join me. And, and I just get the sense even this morning that, that maybe if you're here, and you've heard, you've heard part of this story, you've heard some of this scripture, you, you've been a part of this conversation this morning. And maybe you've never thought about what it might look like to include God in your life. Because this is really the, the first step of that journey is to say, God, I actually want you to be a part of my life. God, I want to surrender who I am to who you are. I want to let go of trying to control my life, trying to make that path straight for myself. And God, I want you to be a part of my life. I want you to be the Lord of my life. Jesus, I want to know who you are in my heart. And I want to surrender my life to you. Now, you might be here this morning and you've never thought about that decision. You've never thought about that idea of including God in your life. And if you're here, I, I'd love to just pray a prayer for you just in this moment. And I'd just love it if we, could, if we could just close our eyes. 
And if that's you and, and you're here specifically for the first first time, not necessarily here in that, at True North, but for the first time saying, God, I want to give control of my life to you. Or maybe you're here and you know that you need to do that anew. Maybe you've been living a life of faith for a long time, but, but when you think about it in reality, there's, there's huge arenas that God doesn't get a say in. And today I want to lead us in a prayer of knowing God, in a prayer of submitting to God, in a prayer of saying, God, would you be the one that's in control of who I am? God, we thank you for your presence here this morning. God, I pray that more than anything else right now in this moment, what each of us would feel is trust in the name of Jesus. That what each of us would feel is hope in who you are, God. And God, I pray that in this moment, we could let go of control. Lord, if there's spaces in our life that are causing damage to who we are, damage to our loved ones, God, I pray that you would help us to let go of control. God, I pray as well that in the deepest place of our soul, we could let go of control of who we are. And Jesus, we could give that to you. And God, we can do that because we know we trust you. That you have a heart for our life that's better than anything we could come up with. And Jesus, our prayer today is to say, Lord, we surrender to you. And if that's you today and you need to make that prayer in your heart, just say, God, I surrender to you. Maybe if you don't even have a full picture of who God, who Jesus is, but you want to, it starts with this, God, I surrender to you. If you're there, I want to know who you are. And Holy Spirit, I pray that in this moment, you would just be here, that we would know you, Lord. And God, that we could give over more of who we are to you. And Lord, in all things, we thank you that we can trust you. We praise you, God. Amen. Awesome. We're, we're going to sing a song, yeah? Awesome. Let's stand together. And, and we're going we're gonna to sing a great song of worship. And as we do that and you sing these words, if for you, you need to keep reflecting on this idea. I just encourage you to do that.